The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday to everybody out there in the Auburn Opelika area across the state of Alabama or wherever you are tuning in from. Hopefully you had a great weekend. We are back in the studio for the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Well, as always, on Mondays, we've got a jam-packed show we're going to talk Auburn Ole Miss we're going to talk college football as a whole which uh talking about one of the best weekends of college football that I've watched in a long long time there were some really good games lots of excitement uh from start at 11 a.m until about midnight Saturday night there were some really really good games so we're going to get into those as well uh we'll talk to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central we'll talk about the historic Alabama Tennessee game that went down Saturday afternoon uh we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Sports Network at hour number two. Get his thoughts on Auburn's performance on Saturday and a whole lot more. We'd love to hear from you as well. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line, 334-321-1390. Carter, happy Monday, man. How was your weekend? It was good, man. It was another one of those uh, you almost had to go in with the expectation that things weren't going to go Auburn's way, and then you just had to embrace all of the other games. And I'm glad I went in with that mindset because – there were so many good games around college football. I was pretty pleased watching all of them. I mean, really all day long, you saw really good, entertaining football from from start to finish. I mean, even that, like, basically from, from the start of the day at 11 a.m. and all the way through that USC-Utah game, they all were entertaining. They were fun to watch, and... I enjoyed my Saturday as as a result. And you guys had a good after the game show on Saturday. If you if you've not been tuning into that, or if you have and enjoyed it, uh, I know they appreciate you tuning in. But if you have missed any of those shows, be sure to tune in every Saturday right here on ESPN 106.7. It's after the game with Carter Bird and Jack Hutton. They go live right after the Auburn University games. Uh, obviously, they have the off week this weekend with Auburn uh, limping into the bye week, so they will have this Saturday off. But it's all broad to you by Urgent Care Clinic in Auburn. Uh, so we appreciate them sponsoring the After the Game show, but these guys do a fantastic job. So if, you have, um, if you've not been listening to that, I highly recommend that you tune into that on Saturday uh, afternoons, evenings, nights, whenever Auburn football is over. But Let's get into the conversation a little bit. 334-321-1390. What are your thoughts on Auburn versus Ole Miss? Uh, what's your thoughts on Brian Harson still being employed with Auburn, still being the head coach? Where do you think this program's going? All that good stuff. We'd love to hear from you again. 334-321-1390. Of course, Auburn goes on the road Saturday morning. They lose to Ole Miss 48-34. to They go down 20 
21 nothing uh pretty quickly in this ball game it was 14 nothing after the first Ole Miss puts on another touchdown it's 21 nothing and you're thinking oh crap here we go it's going to be over before we can even think about getting going in this football game and then Auburn showed a little response and they showed a little fight in this ball game right they come back they put two touchdowns on the board they score 17 points in the second quarter alone so 17 points in the half then they come out in the third quarter and they outscore Ole Miss 14 to 10 so you're like okay you've got second half points not just second half points you've got second half touchdowns maybe you can do some things but the defense just couldn't hold their own on Saturday they give up 48 points uh, total is what Ole Miss scored obviously Auburn's able to put up 34 which is a lot more than what we thought they would but they lose by two scores 48 to 34 Carter I know you gave your initial thoughts on Saturday but as always you've had a couple of days to think about it where do you stand right now on how Auburn played against Ole Miss I mean it was in some aspects they were signs of life but then in other aspects that was one of the worst performances we've seen all year that was a historically bad performance by the Auburn defense we ha- we haven't seen an Auburn defense give up they allowed 448 yards rushing that's the worst in like 25 years if not farther back than that I know that that Justin Ferguson was tweeting about it after the game, or actually during the fourth quarter. Ole Miss was five yards away during, I think, the lightning delay, and they ended up getting like 20-something more yards. From going back, you'd have to go back to before the media guide started logging individual performances against – or like team performance against Auburn. And so that's 22 years going back. That you you have not seen a team run for 448 on an Auburn defense. It was really bad. It was a one of the worst showings I've seen by an Auburn defense in my lifetime, if not the worst, because the offense showed you how that game should go. Auburn had better athletes, athlete to athlete, than Ole Miss did. And, and the offensive side showed that. Look at what Tank did. Look at what Jarquez did. To an extent, look at what Robbie Ashford did. But on defense, you can't fit the run. Your linebackers misplay every single play. You had the most missed tackles you've had in forever. I think you had 23 missed tackles, which I think is like eight or something more than the eight or nine more than the previous high by the Auburn defense this season. Your tackling was bad. I thought your your discipline and your in your run fits was bad. It was not a good performance by the Auburn defense, and I came out of it feeling like there's a crack in the dam, and you kind of plugged one up with one finger, and two more holes popped up because the offense was a glaring, glaring, glaring issue. You kind of fixed it. 441 total yards, 300 yards on the ground. When's the last time Auburn lost a game running for 300 yards? It's been years. It's been, like, that's crazy. That was, the, that was the Gus Malzahn, like, staple. If we get to 300 yards, it's like an automatic win. Well, you had a 301 in this game, and you lost by two scores. Ole Miss's offense put up 578 total yards. Like you said, over 400 on the ground. You saw an Auburn defense where... Coming into this football game, even on Friday when we had Jack in here like we normally do, I talked about and we talked about 
We expected the defense to compete because that's what they've done all season long. Sure, Penn State put up over 40 points, but they competed in the first half in that game, and then the dam broke in the second half. Same thing in the Georgia game. We saw Auburn's defense compete, and then the dam broke because the offense couldn't score. On Saturday against Ole Miss, the defense didn't show up at all, and the defense got outplayed, they got outworked, they got outschemed, and ultimately, they got outcoached, and then they got outplayed. And the defense looked lost for a lot of the time. And Ole Miss just kept ground and pound. They handed the ball off play after play after play after play. You didn't have to worry about Jackson Dart doing a whole lot. He only had nine completions on the day. Jackson Dart was nine of 19. Yes, he had three touchdowns, but all of their yards and all of their drives were running the football on the ground. Like you mentioned, you saw linebackers for Auburn who fell asleep and didn't know where the play was going, didn't know what they needed to do, and you saw Ole Miss burn them time after time after time. Ole Miss had a 41-yard rushing touchdown. They had multiple, multiple yards. Judkins had two touchdowns on the day. Ole Miss's offense came to play, and they put it on Auburn, and that's what Ole Miss does. They They score points. They move the football, and they score. And that's what they did against Auburn. Now, looking offensively for Auburn, if this Auburn offense can score 34 points in a game, that should be enough to win a game, in my opinion. If this Auburn offense puts up 34 points, the defense should play well enough for this team to win. And you know what? Coming into this game, the defense had played that good for Auburn to win. If Auburn offense had scored 34 points against Penn State, They probably win that game because the defense doesn't give up that many. If Auburn's offense scores 34 points against Georgia, you know what? Auburn may win that football game because the defense played that good until they just couldn't do it anymore. I don't know what happened. I don't know what the message was. I don't know what the mentality was. I don't know what the game plan was. But the defense lost this football game. And you know what? You can't fully blame them because up to this point in the season... The defense has carried Auburn through football games, and the offense has been the, the dead in the water, right? But on Saturday, the defense fell through, and the defense couldn't hold their own. And you know what? It's okay. You're playing an Ole Miss team that is good offensively. They're not great, but they are good. And Auburn just got beat on Saturday defensively. And for me, I think you got to give credit to Robbie Ashford, who I think did not play great but he played decent. You saw some really, really good moments from Robbie Ashford. You saw bad ones. You saw some bad ones from Robbie Ashford. You also saw yet again, you saw his, I don't want to say his immaturity because that's not the correct word, but you saw his freshman hit, like his his freshman-itis, whatever you want to call it. You saw a young... His inexperience. You saw a young 18, 19-year-old quarterback playing college football, right? He made some mistakes, he made some wrong throws, he made some wrong plays, and you see when his emotions get the best of him, and that's something that we were told coming into this season, was Robbie Ashford is the biggest critic of Robbie Ashford, and you saw it again on Saturday. You saw it so bad, he got replaced by TJ Finley for a drive, and then he (laughs) responded and came back, and he played halfway decent. Well, and you also turned the ball over in TJ Finley's Short, short, short drive there. Which shows why he will not be your starting quarterback ever again. But I think you got to give some credit to Robbie Ashford because he showed a ton of fight. Tank Bigsby showed a ton of fight. And he played 
out of his mind, Tank Bigsby did, and he showed why he is still the best running back or one of the best running backs in college football. He doesn't get used like it, and he doesn't get to play like it, but he still is, and he's going to be playing for a long, long time on Sundays. we got a lot more to get in on this, but let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Spectre, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, how y'all doing today? Doing all right, Spectre. How are you? Okay. All right. I hear you talking about how we got the better athletes. Well, we could have a whole team of five stars, but they don't execute. All I saw out there was missed tackles, blown plays, assignments, and it was it was absolutely awful. Now, I seen I'd seen Tank just chew Ashford's butt out on the sideline, and that boy came out and he played a better game. So that's telling me right there these guys aren't aren't executing on the field. Now, is that a coaching problem? I don't know. That's here, here or there. But if you get out there on that field, you drop in balls. You're not. You're you running the wrong direction. You don't know where you're at on the field. You guys running by you, and you're looking at the other guy saying, "Why ain't you covering him?" And the other guy saying, "Why ain't you covering him?" I mean, it's absolutely Keystone Cops out there. So and that's all. That's about all I got to say about it. Specter, I mean, to to an extent, execution. And missed assignments that does come back to that back on coaching. That does the fact that your players don't understand what they're supposed to be doing. That is that is an issue with the coaching. Also, citing the the tank Robbie Ashford interaction on the sidelines. I don't think that's good evidence that people like of poor coaching. That was after a touchdown. I thought it was tank was out of line for yelling at Robbie in that moment. Sure, maybe maybe. The play was supposed to go to Tank, but you just scored. You shouldn't be yelling at your quarterback right there. Granted, Robbie played a fine game. I really believe it. But I do it. we can't keep blaming every missed assignment and everything purely on the players. It, to an extent, well. <laughs> execution comes down to coaching as well because you got to teach them the fundamentals. You got to get them, make sure they understand what they're supposed to be doing. You got to get them in the right positions to succeed. And while the execution was awful on defense on Saturday, there were missed tackles, there were missed assignments, to an extent, that is a coaching issue. Well, you know, you guys are just stuck on getting rid of Harson. You know, I, I'm not a, I wasn't a Harson guy in the begin with. I, I was against bringing him from the West Coast in here, but, he, but he's our coach. But if you got players on the field that act like freshmen just out of high school, that are three stars, you know, we don't have the best athletes. I'm, I'm tired of hearing this. we got the best athletes. If we, we have do, better athletes than Ole Miss. We do. Oh, Jesus. We do. Yeah, that's the reason why we, that's the reason why we lost the game. I think Auburn <laughs> lost on Saturday. There's, I mean, there's multiple reasons you can say Auburn lost on Saturday. I truly lost, believe that, that Auburn we, right now. We lost, the, we, we lost the game because we got the best athletes. That's not what I said. Well, I think, well, Spectre, I think that, I think Auburn right now, and they, they have in the past, they do right now, and they will in the future, Auburn's going to have better athletes than Ole Miss. Now, Auburn didn't play better on Saturday. Auburn got out coached on Saturday. Auburn got out schemed on Saturday. And you can tell that Ole Miss is a better team than Auburn. That's just, that's just a fact. I'll tell, tell you what. I'll tell you what. If you got Nick Saban over here, you'd have the same results. He had a problem, too. You know what Nick Saban said when he was interviewed after the game? We did not execute. That's, that's different, though, Specter. Alabama's, no, it, it, Alabama's a dynasty that has won 
national championship after national championship. If you bring Nick Saban we over did to not Auburn, execute. I, I, I promise you this: Auburn would not be three and four if Nick Saban was the head coach of this Auburn team right now. Players on the team don't change a thing about the program as far as who is in the building. If Nick Saban is the head coach at Auburn, I promise you, they are not three and four right now. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm officially get off the phone here. All I'm going to say is we did not execute. That's that's totally fair. And, and we got and we got the best athletes. <laughs> well, Thank look, you very much. Hey, we we appreciate the call, Specter. That's Specter joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Look, I get what he's saying. Auburn did not execute on defensively. That's true. That's a hundred percent fact. Auburn did not execute. But you're also right, Carter. Where you can't just say a player missed that tackle or a player blown the, blew the coverage, or there was miscommunication on the defense, or they didn't have the right defensive play scheme or call, that it's just on the players who were on the field. It goes on coaching as well. It goes on play calling. It, it goes, goes on, on game planning. Exactly. It goes on how they practice. It goes on both. Now, you Which can go one way or the other. To an extent, execution is a coaching issue because it should be stuff that's handled in the spring and in fall camp, and you should – have the players out there that can execute, that know what to do. You can put them in the right positions to succeed. Right now, that's not happening. But at the same time, you don't want the same mistakes to be made over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That is on the player. But, you can, again, there, yes. and I don't mean to be like riding on the both sides of the fence well, here. I, but I, I think it's totally fair to, to ride the fence on this one that it is a player issue, but it's also a coach issue. And to, and to ignore the fact that there is an aspect – of of coaching affects execution that's that's reality if if the plan is not sound if they have not been taught what to do correctly if they don't understand it to an extent that is a coaching issue or if they don't know what's coming right if they don't know what is lined up on the other like side like a um surprise onside kick where <laughs> nobody Ran for the football. That was just a genius play. We got to get to a break. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. 334-321-1390. We are off and running here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob, go with Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. We've got a couple of phone calls to get to, so we'll get back to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Guys, didn't Nick Saban win a national title at LSU? Yeah. He did. Okay, well, I mean, comparing Brian Harson and Nick Saban, of course, there's many comparisons you can make, and none of them are true. But the biggest one of you, it's like comparing that to Kathy Ireland to Rosie O'Donnell. So, you know. <laughs> I, I just yeah. don't understand that. I, I, I just don't understand that. The guy's a great coach. The guy's the greatest of all time. There's no way they're three. I agree with you, Carter. There's no way they're three and four if he's there. Oh, absolutely. They're, seven, they're, they're six, seven, and one. Well, I, I mean, I, I think you, six and you, one, you can make a legitimate argument that they would be five and two. Right. I think that's totally fair. And in the two losses, they would have been very competitive. A lot more so than, than we saw in Athens and a lot more so than that Penn State team, which, by the way, Terry, I'm not sure if you saw this weekend, they got, they got smashed run. by Michigan. They got run by the Wolverines. Guys, and, and not, not, you guys have not even touched on who I thought played the best game of the day for Auburn. That was Jeremiah Wright. Exactly. Here's a yep. guy been I sitting on the bench all year long because Brian Hart said, well, I don't know, I don't know. Well, well you he's don't know. been Here's, playing okay. defense and offense every other week. Okay, look, guys. 
he ran off Kobe Hudson, the best receiver from last year's team, didn't renew his scholarship. He wouldn't play Jeremiah right, but yet he tried to convince us that T.J. Finley had gotten better, right? <laughs> yeah. And that and that's where a lot of the confusion comes in and the the questioning the questioning of Brian Harson's decision making and who he plays and who he doesn't play. I understand if you've got your guys, you've got your guys, but there's also a time where you also have to sit back and say, "Okay, maybe I was wrong about this guy and maybe I was wrong about this other guy. Maybe we should switch them out and see how this goes." Why on Monday? Today's October 17th, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, why well, on Monday October, you know, Round two thirty. Why are we discussing Brian Hart still being the coach at Auburn? It's a good question, Terry. It's a good question. I mean, that I was just, the that, question that, of the day. You actually guessed it. Congratulations. <laughs> and and oh, by the way, guys, what year was it? Was it seventeen when Auburn beat Alabama twenty six to fourteen, and they Alabama went on to win the national title? Now, if you told Bear Bryant or Pat Dye or Vince Dooley that you could win the national title without winning your conference or division, they would have told you you were crazy. Yeah, well, it's it's a different world now, and it's going to change even more here in a couple of years when we have a 12-team playoff. You might see a 3-4 loss SEC team get in there and get hot, go on a run, and win a national championship. Oh, I don't think you'll ever see a 3-4 three, three loss, but you might see a 2. I don't know. I could see where a well, 3 I mean, could ter- sneak ter- in. If, if Auburn had won the 2017 SEC championship game, mm-hmm. they would have gone to the playoff, and that was just four. Imagine if that, that Auburn team had lost three, four games – Against and they had played the top what six teams in the country. They, well, I was they, just, they I, was just alluding to, I was alluding to the athlete thing. You you were getting you were getting raked over the calls by Specter a little bit about the athlete stuff. I mean, does anybody really believe that Tennessee is as good as Alabama, top to bottom roster? There's no way. But they won the game, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that's 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 the bottom line. The best the best the best athletes don't always win. The best team usually does though. And the better, I think the better coach team will normally win more often than not, too. Terry, we got to get back to the, a different call, so we appreciate it. We enjoy Thank hearing you from you, man. That's Terry on the line. Let's get back to Spectre, 334-321-1390. Welcome back in, man. Hey, I love you, Terry. Love you very much. But listen, execution is what won the game at Tennessee. Execution. All right, here's my call back. You guys watch the Auburn football review? The what? I'm sorry, I, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. Do you watch the Auburn football review on TV? I personally don't. You don't even know what it is, do you? I do know what it is, but I personally have not watched it in a few years. Well, you guys need to watch it. It's been on the air since 1954. Listen, Tank Bixby, they interviewed him. This quote, coaches did their job. We didn't do ours. I mean, what what what's he gonna say? Is he gonna go on the on oh, a mic and say on. that it's that it's on the coaching and it's Brian Harson's fault that they lost on the road at Ole Miss? I mean, of course he's not gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I can see now that you're absolutely not going to put any blame on the on the players. I whatsoever. literally said for last segment. Specter that it is on the players and the coaches. If anything, I mean it's sixty seventy percent on the players. But to absolve the coaches of any blame, I'm is not wrong. saying that. I did not say that either. I did not say you cannot blame the coaches for what's going on at Auburn. But when you see game after game, people dropping the ball, you got a you got experienced quarterback in in TJ coming in and dropping the ball, and you, it's absolutely execution. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I'll give you that, too. I mean, when you talk about poor turnovers and missed tackles and, and those types of things, the fundamental things, absolutely. That is player execution, and that is just not 
doing your job as a football player, right? But I think to what Carter's point is, is if those guys are not making that tackle or they're not making that correct read, then I feel like then you got to put that on coaching to not put them in the position to make that play and make that tackle. Now, if the coaching staff puts them in position to make that tackle and they just don't make it, that's execution on the player 100%. Okay, that's all I got, guys. Well, we appreciate it, Spectre. Calling back, we got about a minute before we get to the break. Just kind of addressing uh, the, the topics before we get to break. And remember, we're going to talk to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. We're going to get his thoughts on Alabama and Tennessee in just a few minutes. But I, I think that's the best way for me to put it is you blame the coaches for not putting the players offensively or defensively in the position to make the correct plays, to make the winning plays to win football games. That is coaching, right? In the spring and the fall, to get them ready, teach them the plays, teach them the fundamentals, whatever it may be, to put your players and put your team in the best position to make winning plays and win football games. Yeah. But once the whistle blows and once the snap is, once the ball is snapped, that is on the player. To yep. make the right play. That's just it. But it goes both ways. This team is too talented to be 3-9 and nine in its last 12. 3-9 and nine in its last 12. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. I, I think every Gus, Auburn fan would agree. Gus Malzahn would not have this team 3-9 and nine in its last 12. I promise you that. We're going to talk to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line. With Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcoming in our good buddy Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, for the first time that we've ever had you on this program to talk about an Alabama loss, man. 52-49, Tennessee defeats Alabama in Knoxville in what was just a fantastic football game. It exceeded Best one of the year. It exceeded it, expectations it by a million. And it was just so much fun to watch, not just because we're in Auburn, but I think the entire country really, really enjoyed watching this football game, man. Give us your just your initial breakdown of this football game. Tennessee wins fifty-two to forty-nine over Alabama on Saturday. Well, you know Tennessee maybe looked like a genius predicting that they would be Alabama's uh, probably their only loss of the season. So I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> but no, it, it was a it was a great atmosphere, incredible. Um, I was actually down there on the field right behind that goalpost when they kicked that game-winning field goal and had to dodge a bunch of volunteers, fans. Uh, but it was a really great environment, incredible. Um, you know, good for Tennessee. But as far as the game itself, you know, there were a lot of mistakes made by Alabama in this game, um, particularly on defense. Um, the defensive backs had a lot of issues. They could not contain Hendon Hooker, and obviously Hooker's a fantastic quarterback, and Alba found that up very quick. Um, you know, I, I think also penalties are still obviously a huge problem. Um, Alabama has done pretty well with, in regards to penalties when it comes to playing at home, but on the road this year, they've really struggled. And, you know, they had 17 penalties against the Volunteers, which is a new all-time program record for the Crimson Tide. Um, so just undisciplined football, um, lack of focus, lack of communication, just you could just go on down the list with all the problems that, that Alabama had. And um, Nick Saban and a couple of players we got to talk to today were very quickly to, you know, very quick to point those out as well. 
Joey, we had a heck of a quarterback battle on Saturday. What did you see out of Hendon Hooker? And what did what did you see out of Bryce Young coming back from injury? How did you think those two fared kind of in a back and forth affair on Saturday? Yeah, you know, I'll start with Bryce. Um, you know, I, I we this time, you know, last Friday we, we kind of we kind of thought that Bryce was gonna be the starter, but we still had no solid indication until he was on the field warming up with the first team offense on Saturday and you know, I thought that he played remarkably well. You know, he looked like he wasn't, you know, he'd never gotten hurt in the first place. You know, he completed 35 of his 52 passes, you know, for 455 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Um, you know, I was very impressed. He was one of the very few, um, you know, issues of the day, uh, non-issues of the day for Alabama. I would have liked to see him run with a little bit less hesitancy, which is something that he's had all, uh, probably he's had all season, but it was even more so against Tennessee, and I think that's probably just because he's coming off of injury, doesn't want to get hurt, and that's something that'll drop off in time. Um, flipping over to Hendon Hooker, though, my goodness, you know, this is a guy that, I, you know, just a few weeks ago I was saying this guy looks like he could be a Heisman contender, and I think he really boosted those odds against Alabama. You know, he had um, almost 400 yards, you know, five touchdowns. He only threw one pick on the day, you know, his first of the season. Um, but, you know, just an incredible, incredible guy. You know, dynamic was able, wasn't able to, to run the ball as effectively against Alabama as he normally would. But even that being said, he still had 56 yards and a, a big 20-yard run on the day. So um, I really like what I saw from him. And, you know, look out Georgia. You know, Tennessee goes to Athens to play Georgia on November 5th, and that's definitely going to be a, a must-watch game of the weekend. It's not often we get a game that drowns out Alabama LSU, but we might have a bigger one uh, come, you know, early November. We've got Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, Jalen Hyatt, the receiver for Tennessee, 200, over 200 yards receiving and five touchdowns on just six receptions. This is, this is the best performance I've seen from a non-quarterback or running back against Alabama in a long, long time. What was he able to do and what was Tennessee able to do offensively to make him so dominant uh, against Alabama? Again, he had five touchdowns for 207 yards. Well, for Hyatt specifically, he was great at creating separation. Um, that's something that Alabama's defensive backs have struggled with all year is being able to press, and they exposed that. Um, Hyatt had a game that, you know, I was kind of joking in the press box during the game that he looked like he was Devontae Smith out there, you know, and those stats kind of backed that up. Uh, you know, he, he looked, you know, fantastic and, you know, combine that with Hooker and, and just what they were able to do. I mean, they exposed the Southern defense, you know, and I've been saying, and a lot of, you know, critics have been saying all year that Alabama's defensive backs, you know, really need to get their act together. And that's exactly what happened um, on the day. Of course, Hooker, you know, like we said earlier, he had 385 passing yards. So they were able to do pretty much whatever they want. Um, short passes weren't 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 exactly you know that effective against Alabama, but those long passes, man, it seemed like there was only a couple that they weren't able to get down. And um, it's just you know there's, there's there's just a lot of things for these Alabama DBs to figure out moving forward. And you know they have a tough game against Mississippi State where they'll play Will Rogers, which is definitely no easy contest this weekend. And hopefully they'll be able to fix things over the bye week. Kind of talking about that, I mean, you you see this Tennessee offense that pushes the ball down the field in the air so much and maybe tested that weakness of the Alabama defense which is the secondary how do you see or how did you see them play and do you see that popping up potentially again on Saturday against an air raid team with Mike Leach and 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 Will Rogers and Mississippi State 
Yeah, you know, I think it's an it's definitely an issue that's reared, it's already reared its ugly head several times. So why wouldn't it rear its head again? You know, I think that you know the, the good thing about you know Mississippi State compared to Tennessee is that their offense is pretty much one dimensional. Tennessee, um, as I said last week on the show, they have a very underrated run run attack, and you know they were able to kind of use that in tandem in order to set, use you know running plays to set up the pass. Whereas Mississippi State's not going to really have that luxury. They're much more a incredibly pass-heavy team, which is, you know, always the case under a, a Mike Leach coached offense. So, um, you know, but that being said, you know, if these DBs don't batten down the hatches, they're going to be in for a long day. But, you know, it's kind of history repeating itself right now. You know, last year, Alabama went to College Station and lost by a last-second field goal. And then they played Mississippi State the next week and beat them 49-9. to This week, or this past weekend, we had Alabama lose to a last-second field goal at Tennessee, and now they're hosting Mississippi State. So, um, you know, I think that I think Alabama will be more prepared than they were this week. Nick Saban talked today about how he didn't feel like his team was, you know, approaching the game with focus. He said that they were distracted. He said that they felt almost anxious heading into this game. Um, And I don't think that's going to be the case this next week. We've got Joey Blackwell on the phone from Bama Central joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, earlier you had mentioned the penalties for Alabama against Tennessee. This is the second time this year, the first one being the Texas game, where we saw Alabama have penalty after penalty after penalty on both sides of the ball that really really stopped their momentum, if any, uh, that they had in this football game. Where is this coming from? It's something we don't ever see from a Nick Saban coached Alabama team. Is it a lack of discipline, lack of execution? What What do you put this on for Alabama with all these penalties? Well, you know, I'll point to what Nick Saban said today. I think it's a lack of discipline and focus. And, you know, he accepts just as much responsibility as he puts on the players. You know, because at the end of the day, it is a, it is you know oftentimes a coaching problem when it comes to lack of discipline. And um, you know, most of these penalties are completely avoidable. You know, you can avoid offsides penalties by watching the football. You can avoid false starts penalties by once again watching the football. There were a couple of, you know, penalties. I know a lot of Alabama fans are pointing fingers at the officiating, um, and there definitely were a couple of calls that, you know, could have gone either way. But for the vast majority, these penalties were, were you know, called by, like they were seen. You know, they were accurate. And, you know, even if you do take away those controversial calls, that's only maybe two or three out of 17 that you're taking away. This is still a big problem with this Alabama team. And as Nick Saban said today, it all starts in practice. You know, you develop habits in practice, whether those habits be good or bad. And so it's all about kind of ironing out those problems and getting those fixed before they face Mississippi State this weekend. Joey, kind of looking at the Alabama run game, we see Bryce Young come back, and it feels like while Jameer Gibbs did go for 100 yards and three touchdowns, the yards per carry kind of dropped all the way back down to where we were seeing before. Do you see them spiking back to where they were, or is this more of kind of the way the offense is going to run with Bryce Young back at the helm? You know, I I think we're going to kind of go to what we saw these past couple of weeks. Um, I think one of the reasons we saw such low numbers this week is, first off, of course, Bryce is back, as you said, so they're going to rely more heavily on the pass and give Jameer Kibbs less carries. But at the same time, I think this, you know, I think I said this last week, I think this is a very underrated Tennessee pass rush. Like Mm -hmm. everybody highlights how weak they're, Past defense is, but their um, their their uh, their um, rush defense is solid. I think they're top ten now, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe top another top fifteen. Um, but you know, I credit to them. I think they were able to stop the running game all day. But that being said, I think 
we're kind of going to see, you know, we saw Alabama rely really heavy on the pass early on in the season. Then when Jalen Milrow was in there, they had to swap over to the run. Now I think they're trying to kind of find that balance because they've been able to get Bryce on a roll and Gibbs on a roll. Now it's just a matter of trying to get them on a roll together to bring this offense around full steam. And I think that's what we're going to see this next week. And I think that's what we're going to see um, them work on a lot during the bye week. Looking ahead to Alabama hosting Mississippi State with Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central. Alabama number six in the newest AP poll, Mississippi State number 24. This game will be played six o'clock on ESPN at Bryant-Denny Stadium, so Alabama returning to Tuscaloosa. Your uh, Just your initial uh, scouting report on Mississippi State as they come to Bryant-Denny on Saturday. Yeah, you know, this is a Mississippi State team that, you know, started off, you know, pretty well. They did have the loss last week against Kentucky. Um, but, you know, I believe, I'm sorry, I don't have their schedule pulled in front of me, but I believe they're 5-2 and two on the year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they've had a, a really solid start, and it's all because of their offense. You know, their offense is, is really dynamic. Will Rogers, of course, is the leading passer in the SEC. Um, you know, I think he has over 2,300 yards and 23 passing touchdowns on the year. So pretty much a, a touchdown every 100 yards of passing, which is definitely, a, you know, it's definitely you know, something positive for him. But, you know, I think this game is going to come down to how Alabama's defensive backfield responds after you know, being exposed at Tennessee. Um, if, are they going to come out and play lockdown defense and give Will Waters a, a, a hard time and, you know, everybody will announce them be back? Or will they come out, you know, disgruntled from this past weekend and not handle the loss well and you know, potentially get exposed in back-to-back games? Um, I think that's going to be the key battle. And then on offense for Alabama, you know, I, I think that's going to be key that they if they can get both the run and the pass going and kind of pick up some lost time that they had over these past couple of weeks with Bryce Young out. But overall, it's going to be a good game. You know, I do lean in Alabama's favor because Alabama very rarely has back-to-back losses. You know, typically they respond very well to a loss. Team leadership's really strong. Um, but, you know, if Alabama does, in fact, have a, have a difficult time against Mississippi State, this is going to be a long final stretch of the season for them. Joey, as we know, in the Saban era, Alabama's success in seasons is not its not measured really by regular season wins or 10-win seasons. It's really measured in championships. How do you mm-hmm. see this Alabama team progressing, being able to get off the mat after a loss, and what do you see as the path back to Atlanta and potentially back to the playoffs? Well, you know, I think you know Alabama controls their own destiny right now. It's the exact same scenario they had last year when they lost to Texas A&M. Um, you know, if they win out, they're in the SEC title game. No questions asked. You know, they have they still have to play Ole Miss, who they haven't played yet. Ole Miss currently sits at the top of the of the of the West, so they would win that tiebreaker. Um, they still all their SEC games remaining are all West teams, and so that presents both uh, you know that presents both triumph and tribulation. Um, you know, you win all four of those games you're in, you lose one, you're, you're pretty much out. Um, so, you know, I, I think Alabama controls are on destiny, and, you know, the, I, you know the, which happens more often than people would think. Um, and so as long as they can keep winning, they'll be perfectly fine. And, and we, as we've learned, you know, this is a – the SEC title game is pretty much over time become a, a playing game for the playoffs. Um, and I'm really like, I'm actually more interested in the the East right now, just because you do have that Georgia Tennessee game, and that game could potentially decide who goes you know to the championship game in the East. And Tennessee's definitely going to bring a lot to Athens um, in early November. So um, if Alabama has, does have that rematch against Tennessee in the title game, then that's going to be something interesting. And something that Nick Saban pointed out after the game was he was talking about how 
where he told his athletes that, you know, this isn't the end, you know, and Toto said, we'll see them again. So with that message and that mentality, you know, it's going to be a good one should both those teams play again in Atlanta. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central joining us here on On the Line, as always, like he does on Monday afternoons. Well, Joey, in a... In a, in a night in Knoxville that they will be talking about for the next 50 to 100 years. They they tore down the goalposts. They took them out of the stadium, walked it through downtown Knoxville, and threw it in the Tennessee River. That should show you how big it was for Tennessee and their fans to beat Alabama. Look, man, we appreciate you uh, covering Alabama and coming on the show every single week and talking to us about the Crimson Tide. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing, man. Absolutely. Everybody can follow me on Twitter um, at Blackwell Sports. That's where I post all my stories. I've actually started posting a decent amount of video lately. You'll find the full video of Henry Toto's post-game interview as well as Nick Saban. But more importantly, a video of my POV um, of, of the goalposts coming down. I was right there, so feel free to go check that out. And obviously, BamaCentral.com is where you'll find all my writing as well as my co-writers and my my editor said, thank you so much for having me, Jacob. Looking forward to talking with you again soon. Yes, sir. That is Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, joining us on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll talk to him again next week after they play Mississippi State. Let's get to our final break here in hour number one. We'll come back and wrap up this first hour here on this Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central as he joins us every Monday afternoon. And I'm sure a lot of you listeners are excited to hear him talk about an Alabama loss, as most of the country was on Saturday. Uh, just what a historic game. We're going to get into that and some more of the games around the country in hour number two. But wrapping up this first hour, and we uh, we normally talk about the Braves here and the Braves updates, and so sadly we will do that. They are out. They are done. They lose in the DS to the Phillies in four games after a poor performance in the divisional series. They, they just got jumped on too quickly and it felt like every single game. The Braves are out. The Dodgers are out. That's crazy. And Bra- in it, Okay, how about this? The Braves, Dodgers, Mets, and Cardinals, four best records in the NL. And Yankees play game five out. tonight. Exactly. Against the in, or against not the Indians, the Guardians now. The Guardians. I almost said Indians. But the Cleveland Guardians. And you said you you questioned my belief in this Guardians team. No, not that they I get it done tonight. But I don't think they're winning a World Series. I don't either, but I still said they were gonna make some noise. <laughs> Fair. I mean I <laughs> I hang on. If we're gonna give you credit for that, we got we better give me credit for saying the Padres. Fair enough. Fair enough. I did not believe the Padres could beat the Dodgers. I will give you that. The Padres the Padres are a team that legitimately, if they got hot, they can win a World Series. And I think they're hot right now. I think they might be playing for a World Series here in a little bit. Unfortunately, the Astros are still a part of it, so you gotta and what was the Worst baseball game I've ever witnessed. I didn't watch a lot of it, but when they beat the Mariners in 18 innings, 17, however many it went, horrible. It was 0-0 for... Nobody wanted to score. The pitching was nice, but pitching gets boring after 17 innings. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> like, it like, went, that it, gets boring, man. It was a six-and-a-half-hour baseball game. Could you imagine? As a broadcaster, that's horrible. A six-and-a-half-hour baseball game broadcast that with no runs at all? Oh, man, I, I feel for those guys. I really do. But the Braves are out. They lose to the Phillies. But... 
Here's the good thing about the Braves. It, it, it sucks to watch them lose and lose this early and try and not really get off the ground and trying to repeat their World Series title. The good thing is everybody on this team except Dansby Swanson right now is signed up and locked in for a long, long time. And this is a good Braves team. They're going to be a good team for a long time. You know what would be really, really interesting? What if they don't sign Dansby? and try to make some sort of play for a Trey Turner type guy? Do you think they'd do it? No. I, I think, don't think they I would think, either. I think they're going to try to sign Dansby. I, you, 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 ha, you have to go get help in the outfield, I feel like, just because I don't feel like you had enough consistency, especially because Ronald just was kind of, he was never really 100% the back half of the year, and you felt it. I mean, he didn't have the same pop in the bat. He he had the same speed, interestingly enough. I mean, he was st- stealing bases left and right. Uh, but I think it was a lot. A lot was put on guys like Michael Harris in their first postseason to go have big moments. And it felt like each game, the the only bat that you could r- truly rely on in the postseason, the only two bats were Darno and Olsen. I think they had they had a phenomenal series. But they just, it was frustrating to watch all the bats go quiet late and, or really just the DS, to be honest. Yeah, and credit to. To Philly, they pitched really well. They hit really well. They they took advantage of the best Braves pitchers, the best pitchers the Braves could throw out there. The Phillies took advantage of, and they beat up on them. And then, especially at home, when the series went to Philly. We didn't feel good about it. I don't think the Braves felt good about it, but the Phillies fans felt really, really good about it, and they showed up and showed out both games, and the Phillies take care of business. They knock out the Braves in four games in the DS. They are moving on. Uh, Again, we were talking about some of the other games as well and some of the other series. The Padres beat the Dodgers, uh, a Dodgers team that was historically good when it comes to wins and runs versus their opponent and like run differential. This is a team money wise that they spent on that baseball team, but this is baseball, right? And this is where it shows that baseball is such an iffy game and you've got to show up and show out every single day because truly anybody can win. And especially in the postseason, a Dodgers team that again was historically good that will go down in the record books will lose, and they lost in the DS to the mm-hmm. Padres, a team that they were 20 games better than in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was was interesting to see how this postseason played out. I mean, it feels like, it feels like every postseason anything could happen. I mean, you don't get very often where the unquestioned best team out of both sides go all the way to the World Series just because I feel like there's enough up and down and teams get hot, teams get cold. And you see it all play out, and I think back to, I mean, you had, you had um, Dave Roberts back in April, went on Dan Patrick's show and said that they were going to win win the World Series. He said if the starting staff stayed healthy, they were going to win it all, and they did not. And I've got to go ahead and. and knock myself a little bit i said the top four teams in the postseason were all going to win the ds the astros the yankees the braves and the dodgers there's a chance that only one makes it past the divisional series hour number one officially in the books come back for hour number two we're gonna have a whole lot more college football talk
The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. It is gorgeous here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you all had a great weekend. Hour number one officially in the books. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You can find it right after today's show. It's commercial-free. Again, wherever you get your podcast, you can just search on the line, or you can go to ESPNAU.com, click on the Podcast Center, and you can find it all right there. Uh, So, again, make sure you go and find that. In the first hour, we talked a lot of Auburn Ole Miss. We talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, uh, talked about the Alabama-Tennessee game. We had a little Braves discussion to end the first hour. So it was a good one. If you missed it, again, be sure to go back and listen to it in the podcast. You can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. Also at ESPNAU.com, you can go and enter your picks for the SEC Football Challenge. Uh, It is up for this new week of SEC. This is week eight now. It's crazy. We're already in week eight of college football, but you can go and make your picks for the SEC football challenge. Remember that closes at midnight on Friday for every single week and for week seven. Congratulations to Perry Wood. He has won a $25 Visa gift card from the orthopedic clinic and a pack of Mountain Dew uh, brought to you by Buffalo Rock Pepsi. So congratulations to Perry Wood on week seven. He is the winner of the week seven SEC football challenge. So big thank you to our sponsors again, the orthopedic clinic, Buffalo Rock Pepsi, Johnny Brusco's and Wickles Pickles. So go get your picks in for that. Make sure you do that every single week. And then uh, one lucky winner at the end of the season, or I guess whoever picks the most games correctly, is going to win that 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. So if you've been picking every week, you're still in the running for that. So that's at ESPNAU.com. Well, here in hour number two, we're going to talk big games from over the weekend in college football. We'll have some more Auburn Ole Miss conversation. We're going to talk with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network at 3.30. And we'd love to hear from you and what you have to say about Auburn Ole Miss and some of the games from around the SEC and around college football uh, from over the weekend. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. That will put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. Carter, games that stood out to you over the weekend, brother? Well, I mean, you start with that Alabama-Tennessee game. It was as awesome. I mean, it lived up to the billing and more. We will not see a game as good as that all year long. It's one of the best games in a long time. Then when you look around the rest of the country, what a statement by Michigan. Statement. What a statement. You played the team that people thought people thought this Penn State team could give this Michigan team trouble. Michigan had yet to show that they were dominant this year. And yeah, they pretty much 
tore that to shreds, 41-17, and even that is misleading. A lucky bounce-around pick six for Penn State that bounced off like three different people was seven of those 17 points. So Michigan thoroughly thrashed Penn State in that game. That Utah game was awesome. It was ridiculous. It was so awesome. much fun, though. It was Cam so much Rising fun. is so much fun. Did you see that tight end in that game? He had one of the most ridiculous performances I have ever seen. 16 uh, receptions, 234 yards, and a touchdown Kincaid, as yes. a tight end. What is that? That's that. That doesn't happen. That's unheard of. <laughs> that is unheard of. Well, looking at a few of these games, uh, like you said, Michigan, uh, they just throttle Penn State, and it looks like, again, Michigan's defense is going to be the thing that carries them uh, through this season. Now, what worries me about Michigan is that, yes, they put up 41 points, but it was against Penn State, and I think we saw what Penn State truly is. They're good, but they're not great, right? And we saw that Michigan's defense is going to carry them through this season, but we saw that last year. And then they played Georgia, where they couldn't do anything, right, in the, in the college football playoff semis. So I want to see Michigan-Ohio State. I am ready for that matchup. That is going well, to show me. You've got to, to wait a while, my, my friend. I know. Unfortunately, i got to wait a few more, what, four what, or five weeks? more weeks, something like that. Yeah, five or six probably. I think six. Yeah, but, yeah. six. So I want to see that game because I think that will truly show Michigan and Ohio State. I'm excited for that one. Obviously, Alabama-Tennessee was historic. I mean, this was one of the best games I've watched in a long, long time. I said it was going to be the biggest game to ever be played in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I think that was the case on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Tennessee wins 52-49, to 49, and this was, this was an absolute battle. And after the first quarter, when Tennessee was up 21-7, I tweeted out, I said, Tennessee wants all the smoke today. And they got it, and they wanted it, and Tennessee they was ready to go. Kind of let Alabama claw back into it. They did. Gifted them a touchdown. Well, Tennessee gifted them, or? Well, the, I know what you're <laughs> referencing. You're referencing the bogus pass interference. Yes. I'm referencing the the mesh point between Hendon Hooker and his running back, and nobody oh, takes the yeah, football, yeah, yeah. and Dallas Turner yep. picks it up and strolls into the end zone for a touchdown. Yep. And at that point, you thought, oh, no. The gig's up. It's over. Here it comes. It was really fun while it lasted. Yep. Tennessee's Tennessee about to do a Tennessee thing. It. And now and now Alabama's got this got this game in the palm of their hands. And then Tennessee goes down, scores, and then get the stop. Okay. I do want to we didn't bring this up to Joey Blackwell, and it's on me that I didn't ask him about it. At what point do we just say Will Reichard's not a good kicker. We didn't bring that up. You're right. And he is... He's been awful for three or four straight weeks now. But the pre- the question is, does Alabama have anybody behind him? Well, no, I, I don't think they do. But, like, I there's this narrative that Will Reichard is one of the best kickers in the country. And he's, and he's so good. And he's the best kicker Alabama's had in forever. He's missed every big kick that he's had in a month. Yeah, he really has. And it, it's shown, and it has cost Alabama. I had, I had a tweet, what, three, four weeks ago that was like, it seems Will Reichard is never as good as it seems. And I've just been able to quote tweet it with, this is evergreen, this is evergreen, for the last like three weeks. Because he misses in big moments. It's just, I don't know what it is. 
I don't know if the history of big kicks at Alabama just get in these kids' heads because every time they step up in a big moment right now, you're like, no chance. No chance at all. And, and he's really not that close on some of these. And then on the flip side, Tennessee's kicker runs out there and kicks the nastiest game-winning field goal it I've was ever seen. It was blocked. 42 for Alabama. Gets his hand on it because the spin changes. And it was and ugly it's a, looking. It's a knuckleball the rest of the way. It gets over by maybe a yard. But maybe. it did. And Tennessee went, the state of Tennessee went absolutely nuts. Apparently there was a small recorded earthquake during that game at some point in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, over 100,000 fans. They rushed the field. The hate security them, guards. hate their fan base in baseball, but good for them. For right. This. Well, good for them. And look, <laughs> the security guards lined up like they were going to stop them from storming the field. Tennessee wanted them to rush the field. They, they signed that $100,000 check this morning with a smile on their face. The fans ripped down the goalpost. They took it out of the state. And this was the best sequence of events on Twitter over the next hour that I've ever witnessed was just updated videos of what the fans were doing with the goalpost. They took well, it through the it, stadium into downtown, walked it through downtown Knoxville. It's Ole Miss in 2014. Yeah. And then they threw it in the river. <laughs> and I think that's just beautiful. I love that. That is college football. Uh, so old, in 2014, Ole Miss... They took the goalpost down into the square. I have friends. Have pieces of it. Who it was in their den yep. in Oxford for years. Yeah. And that's, I thought that's what Tennessee was going to do. But then I saw some people on Twitter like, they're taking it to the river. And I was like, oh my God, Which they are. awesome. Proud of them. And then Tennessee pulled an all-time poor move after it. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. As a GoFundMe to buy new goalposts for this week. And last time I saw it was at like $50,000. Buy the daggum things yourself. Everybody was tweeting at them the fact that they have like a $1.3 billion endowment or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Tennessee fans, not only did they take the goalposts, they broke the holder in the ground that the the goalpost goes into. They were cutting up parts of the field and stuffing it in their purse to take it with them. I mean, that Tennessee lost their minds. And you know what? They deserve it. Somebody tried to walk out with the, the, the Gatorade cooler. Oh, I didn't is, see that. He is at the gate walking it out, and at the last second, a cop just snatches it oh, from him and it ruined it. Boo. No, look, man. Tennessee, they've been waiting on this day for 20 years, man. And they, this was, again, this was the biggest game in the, in the state of Tennessee. This is the biggest game that's ever been played in Knoxville. They won. They beat Alabama in what was a fantastic football game. Uh, Tennessee is the real deal. I picked Alabama on Friday, and I said, until I see it, I will not believe it. Well, here we are. Tennessee wins. They looked good doing it. Defense, maybe not so much, but you played Alabama, and they played a heck of a game as well. So Tennessee beats Alabama. They are the real deal. They play Georgia coming up in a few weeks. That's going to be uh, an epic battle, and Tennessee has a legitimate chance to win the SEC East. Looking at some more games uh, that happened from over the weekend, we mentioned USC and Utah. That was a a Pac-12 after dark thriller. Oklahoma State gets upset by TCU in what was just a, a massive blown game from Oklahoma State. They were in control. They let TCU come back and beat them in overtime, and 
I we called TCU. I did. I don't remember if you did or not. I had TCU winning. I still like Oklahoma I had State. TCU winning. I think you did. I like Oklahoma State to will, still win the conference. Oklahoma State choked that game away. By That's the what way. I'm saying. They, they choked it. It was they massively blown. Up, yeah, way up. And then and then they let it go all the way. Well, they scored 24 points in the first half, and then they scored six in the second half, and they didn't score mm-hmm. any in the fourth quarter. So they yeah they absolutely blew it to TCU. You've and got Quentin Johnston is becoming a dude right now. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I Followed still like Oklahoma his State. Nuts, his nuts performance against Kansas with 8 for 180 and a touchdown. I still like Oklahoma State to win the conference, though. I don't. <laughs> I don't. That's fine. I, I'm sticking you've with got, them, man. You've got – they now have to get through Texas, and then they have to root for get, two losses. Get through Texas. Nah. They'll be fine. Texas be, just beat Oklahoma 49 nothing. What does that mean? Apparently a lot, because <laughs> Oklahoma beat Kansas. Yeah, they did. And the score is a little misleading, because it was, I feel like it was it worse was than the 10-point. It was Great. worse than the 10-point J- win. Jason Bean played a really, really, really solid game as a backup quarterback, but as long as Jalen Daniels is not healthy for this Kansas team, the fun ride that we all had with ranked Kansas it's over. It is. It is plummeting to earth right now for Kansas. They're but still good. They're, they're still, still good, good, but it's not what it's not what they were when they were undefeated. Also, Iowa State should have beaten Texas. By the way, did you see the play that ruined it for him? I did. I did. Texas wins twenty four twenty one. Deep ball to the captain, best player on the offense, uh, and he dives for it. But he doesn't dive forward. He dives like. He barely leaves the ground, and he yeah. doesn't move any differently. And if he just runs through it, he not only catches the ball, he walks into the end zone, mm-hmm. and they win the game. Yep. And I'm gutted for Iowa State because they just they lose they lose one score games right now at a clip that that would make Nebraska blush. Iowa State three and four, zero oh and four in Big Twelve play. Texas five and two, three and one in Big Twelve play. It, they just they win games. I mean, you, it's all you can say about them. How about Kentucky beating Mississippi State twenty seven seventeen? Yeah, I was shocked that the neither offense really got going there for a while. Especially State. State just did not. They they tried to air it out, didn't work. By the way, Iowa State four losses. Guess by how many points total? Less than twenty. 14. All right, there you go. Look, Kentucky-Mississippi State, for me, I was really, really surprised uh, that Mississippi State only put up 17 points on Saturday. Uh, we all picked Mississippi State to win this game. I didn't think Kentucky could hold hold down the Mississippi State offense. Um, I, I just didn't really see that happening. Now, both of those teams are 5-2, and two, and uh, Mississippi State is – I mean, I just thought they were going to not have two losses to this point. Maybe the one, but losing to Kentucky was a shock I promise to me. you one thing. That Mississippi State team is still beating Ole Miss. I think so. Ole Miss is not good. Ole Miss is an 8-4 and four team. They've just gotten to fool everybody because their schedule's a joke to this point. And Kentucky served them up a game on a silver platter and... Ole Miss didn't even really try to take it. It was kind of like, okay, whatever, like, fine. Yeah. They are going to lose at LSU this week. An LSU team that went on the road to beat Florida by 10 in the Swamp. I- impressive performance by them. They they look like they're starting to figure some things out. They're 5-2, 3-1 in the SEC. All right, here's my prediction here. 
Ole Miss loses at LSU, at A&M, to Alabama, and to Mississippi State, and goes one and four down the stretch, eight and four, and we don't even have to live with this whatever ridiculous scenario that I've seen some people kicking around about a one-loss Ole Miss, a one-loss Tennessee, and a one-loss <laughs> yeah. Alabama and Georgia, and everybody gets into the playoff, and it's an SEC round robin or whatever. But you know what? When Ole Miss goes eight and four, they're fine with that, and that's no, what makes... they're not. No, they're not because they yeah cause they are right now. Right now, they think they're going to play for for an SEC championship. Yeah, they but really once do. they lose, they'll be done. That's how it goes. It's Ole Miss. They don't expect those things. That's the difference. They are not beating LSU this weekend. They are not. Uh, I, it's going to take me some time to think about this one. Is it is it at LSU or at mm-hmm. Ole Miss? Ooh, at at LSU? LSU. Okay. CBS two thirty right. game. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. I knew it was. I knew they play. I didn't know it was a two thirty game on CBS though. They're going to rack up some. They could. They could lose at Arkansas too if they're not careful. How about that? We could legitimately a seven and zero Ole Miss team that is that is undefeated. Could be seven and five at the end of the year. We'll see how it goes. We're reacting to some of the games from over the weekend. We got to get to our first break here in hour number two. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number to put you through to us. We're gonna get to the phone lines when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN one zero six seven. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line here on on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? We're doing Doing all right, Ed. Hey, first off, I want to give us kudos. Uh, and give me a second to say this for the, the, the program that comes on the stage three hours on before y'all. The Max Roundtable. Uh, yeah, Doug, uh, mm-hmm. he very succinctly said and appropriately said we will not talk about officiating. And, and then, uh, other than I think about a 15 minute segment <laughs> that Bill was on with him, that's all they talked about was officiating so uh, <laughs> congratulations on that <laughs> you know, i mean i mean the only thing better than seeing Bama lose is listening to him cry about it and i said this you know it, it, it doesn't matter if one game when i lived in birmingham and uh you know birmingham is pretty much a Bama, you know city the Bama or whatever uh the, you know they weren't as good as Auburn, but they would still cry and complain after each loss like the biggest babies. But but I, I, that's just, you know, that, that's my take on that. And I, I wanted to ask you a couple of things as far as, far as like, uh, coaching. Sonny Dykes at TCU, what do y'all know about him? What's, what's, what's wrong with him? I mean, why wouldn't Auburn think that was a great coach? Well, I mean, he just signed a new contract. I mean, he just got there. It's year one. I would imagine he has a significant buyout. He's uh, which which probably is not something that Auburn. I would I would say that the 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 Auburn people, the boosters that are going to 
I guess, do the uh, financing of this next this buyout for Brian Harson and then this next coach probably don't want to spend a ton of money on a buyout, which is why I, I don't think Lane Kiffin is maybe the most uh, feasible name because you're going to have to drop $15.3 million to get rid of Harson. Then you're going to have to drop, drop another $9 to get rid of Kiffin. Sonny Dykes probably has a similar situation to that because he just got there, and he's doing really well. And but he is a Texas guy. He is a he is a TCU guy. Like he that's where he spent his I, I, career. I just, no, I just threw that name up. Yeah, I'm just uh, what I'm trying to say is people say, "Well, you're tied down to this. You're tied down to that." No, no, Auburn's not tied down to anything except Auburn is tied down to the people that you just. Uh, talked about who have taken this program down the toilet. You know, the people you just talked about are, are the reasons why Auburn are part of the reasons. They hired, you know, uh, Gus Malzahn. They let Gus, they re-signed Gus Malzahn when they should not have at all. Fair. Uh, I think, and, I think and, that and was then, also, then, that was also Stephen Leith as well. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I think Lee was responsible, uh, mainly, too, for uh, Harson, wasn't he? No, no, excuse me. No, 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 I'm sorry. Now, that was Alan Green. I yeah, think. yeah, you're, yeah, Alan yeah. Green, AD, yep. But I just, I get so, uh, but as far as, as far as the games this weekend, I, I, I'm very proud of the Auburn players. Mm-hmm. You know, they played their hearts out. You know, most of them. We obviously, you know, uh, I, I, I couldn't understand Robbie Ashford over there showing his butt, trying to yap it. You know, uh, the best player on the field for Auburn. You know, with Tank. I know y'all saw all that. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't understand that. And I think and, that's and just I, some emotion running through. Was, I thought that was Tank coming at Robbie, which I thought was misplaced, especially after a a touchdown. And and well, and also by by the way, I did some quick re- research here. It would cost Auburn an additional eight million dollars to buy out Sonny Dykes to be able to go get him. What? That is nothing. That is nothing. Pay the eight million dollars, and I wish eight million was nothing, man. You must be making a fortune over there, brother. Uh, hey, listen, I'm talking, <laughs> about, I'm talking about my the football program. I know it. I know it. I know it. You, but but we're about to pay fifty. We're about to pay twice that amount just to get rid of just to pay a guy not to coach. So if, if that's if that's the, I mean, what are you? What else are you gonna? If that's the best coach, go get him. Pay it. I'm not saying he's the best coach. I, I just do that name up. There. Right, 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 fair, right, fair. right. I know, I know, and 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 I think it's it's an interesting name for sure because he has had success at SMU. He's had success at TCU. I do wonder if maybe he feels very, very comfortable, kind of in that Dallas Fort Worth area, which is where I he's been he for a long amount of time right now. It, yeah, yeah. It, it, I just. You know, yeah. A couple mm-hmm. of years ago, before they hired Harson, I, you know, I, I threw up Mike Norvell. You know, who's at FSU now? He was at Memphis. And I was thinking, but I, I would have rather had Mike Norvell than Harson. Yeah, but, I mean, you're just spitballing. I get it. I mean, there's there's a lot of good young coaches out there for sure. But to go on the the emotions of money. 
Yeah, yeah. To go on the emotions of the players uh, on the sidelines talking about Robbie and Tank, you know, we've seen Robbie get emotional during these games when he makes mistakes and he's very hard on himself, you know, whether he goes over and throws his helmet, doing whatever. You get it, right? He wants to do the best for his team, but I I don't know. I think that's just emotions and complications of losing games like this just kind of boiling over. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with that. It wasn't that big a thing either. And let's be real, real, real frank and honest here. That wasn't nearly the best fit we saw pitched on the sidelines this weekend. Because I saw Nicky <laughs> trying to pull what little hair he's got out, you know, on that punt. Oh, he, he let him hear about he, it, he didn't he? The, he took the pressure off of, uh, off of anything else as far as, you know, acting like a – child all right warrior guy hey, we appreciate, appreciate the call it. ed that's ed joining us here on on the line 334-321-1390 we got about a minute before we get to break we're going to talk to jacob hillman of the auburn sports network uh on the other side of the break but uh yeah by the way you know when i was earlier talking about how it was the worst auburn rush defense performance in over 22 years mm-hmm. second worst ever ever second worst ever Worst in 71 years. That's what happens when you give up 400-plus on the ground. It's worse than the 71 Sugar Bowl when Oklahoma ran for 439 on Auburn. The only performance worse is 1951 when Ole Miss ran for 515 on Auburn. Wow. That is, I will credit that stat to Nathan King of Auburn Undercover. I found that. He also had the tweet about the fact that... uh, Five off defensive linemen played in the game for Auburn. Played 89 snaps between five of them. And they were, I believe they were, Kobe Wood, Marcus Harris, Morris Joseph Jr., Jason Jones, and Marquise Burks. Of course, they're considering that kind of buck edge position, uh, a linebacker. But that's still like three positions by five guys. That's a lot to that's ask. 89 plays. That's, that's a, why you get run for 450 on you. That's a lot to ask of five guys to play that many snaps against that Ole Miss offense and the way that they run the football. It's not a recipe for success, gentlemen. This is not how it's going to go. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on this Monday afternoon of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, joined by our good buddy Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Hillman, happy Monday. Uh, Let's get into this Auburn Ole Miss matchup. You were in Oxford on Saturday. Uh, Your takeaways from Auburn's performance against the Rebels. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see the offense uh, really show up after that first quarter started slow and, uh, and and do some positive things. But obviously, you don't get the win and, and that stuff, especially when you were in uh, position to really tie the game up late and um, have a chance to win. But that's kind of what we've been talking about the last two weeks. After September, and you're going into these two tough road games, uh, you want to be in position to win. And, and at least the Tigers did that on Saturday. But uh, now the next step is making sure that you finish the job and and get that win. So you know I was impressed by the offense. Uh, 
because they were able to put points on the board and, and you saw the running game get going. Tank Bigsby, it was so nice to see him really carry the ball well. And, and the offensive line had a new look to it due to injury. Uh, and we'll see if that continues uh, moving forward, if maybe they stick with it, uh, even when guys get healthy. So, uh, And then obviously the defense, uh, it's tough going up against that length of an offense, but uh, they're, they're going to have to really step things up uh, going forward because in two weeks you're going to be going up against an Arkansas offense that just put a lot of points up at BYU, and K.J. Jefferson is a tough quarterback to face. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Talking about that offensive line, what did you see out of them this week? We saw shakeup and who was out there. What did you see? What did you like out of their performance on Saturday? Well, I think really the, the key was Jeremiah Wright at that left guard spot. Uh, on our broadcast, Auburn Sports Network, Ronnie Brown was talking about how he had been watching him uh, throughout a lot of the game and that he was really – uh, he just looked tough out there. He And that's something that it kind of doesn't feel like the offensive line has been able to do. It feels like a lot of the issues have been technical and, and, and things of that nature. But when Wright went out there, he was playing hard-nosed football and really getting after it. Uh, Brendan Coffey was at right tackle for Austin Troxel. He was dealing with a scratch. He, I think he got scratched at Georgia, and uh, it, it was a pretty nasty one, so he wasn't able to play. And I'm not sure if they're going to continue that. Uh, Cam Stutz, he started as well, but he went down with an injury. He ended the game in street clothes, so Keandre Jones came in. It's going to be really interesting to see after the bye week what the offensive line looks like, but I definitely want to see Jeremiah Wright continue to get playing time because uh, he, he, he was pretty dominant out there. And, you know, I think just shuffling the offensive line, you know, it, 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 I hate that it had to take until towards the end of October, middle of October, but, you know, maybe you found something that can get the running game going and when that happens, we know what can really happen with an offense. So uh, if Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter continue to have running lanes, then uh, you'll see the offensive line stay uh, consistent and uh, maybe even the passing game can uh, find some explosiveness. We've got Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on On the Line. Talking about the run game for Auburn and Tank Bigsby had 20 carries, 179 yards, two touchdowns. Definitely the best performance we've seen from him in a long time. What does it show about his his resiliency and his his just grit and grind and dedication to to winning? What is that? How did that show on Saturday where we've seen the offense struggle to this point in the season? How did it come out on Saturday, just his dedication to be great for Auburn? Well, it's exactly that. It's just simply his dedication and uh, how hard he works to continue playing, even though he's had uh, several weeks in a row that just have not been Tank Bigsby games that we've seen uh, in previous seasons in his first two years at Auburn. Uh, he bounces right back against, you know, not, not probably uh, it's a it's a rush defense that was ranked fourth in the SEC. We'll we'll see uh, moving forward if that holds true. But uh, Bigsby really just I think the biggest thing is you go from t- you go from averaging two to three yards per attempt. Now he he averaged nine on Saturday. He's got to get those chunk plays and and I, I just really think he, he he's he's a kid on this team that uh, a young man really that uh, is is a great leader and someone that I think if you don't have him. Then, then who knows what uh, this team looks like. I don't know if this team fights back from that 21-point deficit without leaders like Tank Bigs. I mean, that's not to mention guys like uh, uh, Derek Hall, Owen Patho, those kind of guys that throughout this team that are really leading this bunch to make sure that they continue to fight in these games, that they don't 
uh, I just give up because that game easily could have gotten away from Auburn. When it was twenty-one nothing, you're you're really feeling, oh boy, that this this could be a long day. And and sure enough, you get a touchdown, a quick three and out, and another touchdown. It's a one-score game, and that's what puts you in position to win. And as I said earlier, he's just got to find a way to finish, and and that's the next step for this team. So, um, and Tate Bixby is a huge part of that and his leadership. Jacob, Auburn had three turnovers on the road, and I think now the turnover margin for Auburn on the season is second worst in the country. What can they do going forward, and how important is it to get that corrected and start to win some turnover battles with the rest of this schedule? Well, I think that to to, to improve that turnover margin, I think the biggest thing is to force turnovers. Now, uh, the, the offense is still turning the ball over, uh, how you don't need to the the fumble by T.J. Finley and then the first interception by Robbie Ashford are our turnovers you don't need to have obviously the, that second interception it's fourth and ten towards the end of the game Robbie's just trying to make something happen but um, I really if, if Robbie makes that throw on the screen pass to Bigsby Bigsby might run to the end zone and Auburn has a seven nothing lead and doesn't go down twenty one nothing and who knows what happens after that but uh, as far as the defense goes you you get one turnover. Off, off that wild, uh, off that wild tip drill uh, that Keontae Scott Scott came up with, but I think it's it's all about pressuring the quarterback. Now, Ole Miss, the way that offense is designed and the way that offensive line performs, you're not going to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. You're not going to get to Jackson Dart. No team has really this year. So I was honestly impressed that Auburn was able to get one sack on him uh, on his 19 attempts. So uh, a pass attempt. So. Continue to do that, especially when you get to that Arkansas game where K.J. Jefferson, he's a good runner, and he has a big arm. Their, their offense is more designed. Uh, they, they go downfield a little bit more than Ole Miss tries to do. I want to see Auburn get to the quarterback, force either K.J. Jefferson to uh, make bad decisions, or or you n- never know, you might be able to knock the ball out of his hands. He's a, he's a bigger guy that uh, can handle the ball a little bit better, but you never know. If, if you get to the quarterback, who knows what's going to happen, so... Uh, I, I want to see guys like Derek Hall or, or Marcus Bragg, who's stepping into Ecoliota's role, uh, get to the quarterback and, and maybe knock the ball free or just force the, force the quarterback to run out of the pocket and uh, uh, make a bad decision. We've got Jacob Hillman on the phone from the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. As Auburn moves into the bye week, they are 3-4 and four on the season, 1-3 and three in conference play. Uh, the noise around this program in Auburn and outside of Auburn is as loud as it's ever been. What, what's the message and the mentality of the players, of the coaching staff, of the department right now going into this bye week, uh, one that Auburn desperately needed to get into before Arkansas coming up? Something Coach Harson has been preaching and, and and talking about in his media availability. He said it again today. He's in Birmingham and Mobile speaking uh, speaking engagements. And something he's been saying is control what you can control. And I think that's what the mindset of this team is going forward. And and really, especially with these players, they're motivated. That you can tell they're not they're not giving up. We saw it clearly on Saturday how you battle back from that twenty one nothing deficit. That these, these kids are bought in and they really want to win and it's just they're just coming up just short you're getting position to win but you can't get it done uh and, and that's tough on that's tough on guys but it, it's really impressive that they're still uh battling the way they are so um I, I think really that it is what it is control what you can what you can control and if you do that you're you start getting better at what you're supposed to do and other guys do the same um but if, you, if you're worried about if you're a linebacker worried about what's going on with the offense 
you're not helping the team out. Or, or if you're worried about the outside noise, you're not helping the team out. So uh, just focusing on getting better, especially in this bye week where you're going to get rested up and then you're going to lock in for Arkansas. I, I just think that uh, having that mindset is really going to help this team uh, get a couple of SEC wins down the road, um, you know, and and possibly have a strong end to the season that really helps you uh, going into the offseason and, and potentially making a bowl game. Jacob, with Auburn allowing 448 rushing yards on Saturday, it's the second worst performance by an Auburn rush defense in in history. When you look at the schedule and you see Arkansas with KJ Jefferson and Rocket mm-hmm. Sanders and then Texas A&M with Devin A. Chan, and then even Alabama with Jameer Gibbs and the way we've seen that Alabama run game kind of get going here in recent weeks. What can Auburn do to kind of get it figured out as far as a run defense is concerned and stop the run? Yeah, it's going to take a lot, especially with those three teams you just named. Uh, Those are some of the top, the premier rushing teams in the SEC along with Ole Miss. And, and, you know, something else is that, I was trying to figure out when the last time Auburn gave up three 100-yard rushers. I'm not sure if it's ever happened before Saturday when Judkins, Evans, and Dart from USC or Ole Miss, excuse me, did it. Uh, so as far as correcting that and fixing that, it, it might lead into uh, also that passing game. If you force a team to be one-dimensional, because I, Ole Miss, yeah, the, I would almost say they were one-dimensional, you know, 69 run plays versus 19 uh, passing attempts. Then that, that that's pretty locked in on the run, and they were and they were keyed in on it. But if you had because Ole Miss still threw uh, dart through three touchdowns and had 130 yards passing, that they were still having success through the air. And if you don't allow that to happen, you can key in more on the run. Have, have your safeties up closer. Zion Pucker, Donovan Coffin, they're so good in the run, but you're not able to do that as much when you still have the threat of a, a team's passing ability. And I think Arkansas is a great place to start because. We know what they can do through the air as well. I mean, Jefferson had five touchdowns pa- passing against BYU, but they ran the ball really well to set that up. You don't let uh, you don't let them set that up, or you don't let those touchdowns be scored. And and Auburn's in a good position to key in on the run and and really not let uh, a Rocket Sanders go crazy on them. Like uh, Quinshawn Judkins, he he had a great game. I mean, they had that forty-one yard touchdown run that that kind that kind of kind of really put the dagger in Auburn. So. Um, I, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what the pass defense looks like against Arkansas to see if that can help the defense really key in on the run because I, I almost feel like you're in a position where you don't know what you have to do uh, to stop the opposing offense. We're speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. One more question before we let you get out of here. Of course, we will talk to you next week after the bye week, but looking ahead to next week, what what's the response that you want to see from this Auburn team, this Auburn players, this Auburn program coming out of the bye week? The response that you want to see from this team next week? Well, as I was as I've been saying, is this team put themselves in a position to win that game on Saturday? weren't able to get it done, and, and that, that's progress from the Georgia game. The Georgia game, you never had a chance. You, you were down the entire time, but Ole Miss, you go down big, you come back, and you have a chance to tie the game up. You don't. I want to see this team at home, and the home crowd advantage will be back with you. Uh, it's going to be an 11 a.m. early kickoff, so you're going to have to get up for it. And, and I want to see them come out fast and, and get a lead. And obviously we've seen what's happened with some leads this year. You've got to hold on to that lead. And, and, and really that's the big thing is, uh, is, start, is finishing what you started. 
and Auburn uh, didn't start off well against Ole Miss, but they started well off against a Missouri, against LSU. Um, even that Penn State game didn't get out of hand until late in the second half. If you can finish what you start, you're going to get a few SEC wins down the road, but uh, it, 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 I don't want to see Auburn fall behind uh, at home uh, early on. So that, that, that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is a, a fast start that you finish off and, and get another SEC win uh, in October. Jacob, I know football is maybe not the most uh, overwhelmingly positive topic to talk about right now, and I also know because uh, I handed off these duties to you when I used to be over there. I know you do this week in Auburn Athletics. Can you give us some optimism and some some positivity with other things going on in Auburn Athletics right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I think currently right now uh, it, it's your Auburn volleyball program. They 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 finally went down in the SEC uh, this week in splitting. Uh, against Missouri, uh, obviously LSU, they lost to earlier this season, but Neville Arena is kind of turning into a winning factory, if you ask me, with uh, the men's basketball program, gymnastics, making it to the Final Four last year. Coach Johnny Harris has the women's basketball program on the rise, and, and that volleyball program, they're winning right now. So uh, upcoming, they've got big matches, a home match on uh, Friday against Tennessee in Neville Arena, and um, Florida and Kentucky, they will be facing off. Those are some of the top teams in the conference right so far it hasn't been the toughest schedule uh, a win against mississippi state was a big one as well as the two wins against georgia but this volleyball program is really going to be tested uh, when they face the likes of tennessee florida and kentucky so that i mean neville arena right now is the place to be and uh it will continue whenever basketball season starts so uh auburn soccer also they host tennessee on thursday and then uh october 27th host number one alabama so that'll be a uh, those, those are kind of your big spots that you're looking at uh, outside of Auburn football right now. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. Man, we appreciate you coming on every single Monday. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, brother. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. No, uh, no Auburn football broadcast this week, but still Tiger Talk on Thursday at 6 o'clock. Uh, so check that out. Uh, I think we've got a bunch of coaches on, including some of those successful coaches like uh, Coach Brent Crouch as well as uh, Bruce Parle and Johnny Harris. So. Uh, looking forward to that. Man, we appreciate you coming on. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We will talk to him next week uh, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's take our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up here on this Monday afternoon. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Byrne with you for the next few minutes right here on ESPN 106.7. Be sure to stay tuned, though. As soon as we're done, it'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7. Hey, if you missed any of today's show, be sure to go and find the podcast. Uh, You can find it right after the show, commercial-free, wherever you get your podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast or go to ESPNAU.com. You can find it right there in our podcast center. You can find our podcast and The Drive as well. So make sure you go to that ESPNAU.com. Back in the first hour, it's Monday, so we talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central. We got his thoughts on Tennessee 
defeating Alabama in Knoxville on Saturday. And then we just got off the phone with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We talked to him about Auburn versus Ole Miss. And Carter and I have had uh, some good conversations about Auburn Ole Miss. We've had some good callers today as well. So if you missed any of today's show, highly recommend you go and find the podcast. Again, you can find it right after the show, commercial free. Just search on the line or go to ESPNAU.com. Well, wrapping up this Monday edition of On the Line, I want to talk kind of winners and losers from around the SEC. I think the biggest winner, obviously, was Tennessee doing what they did against Alabama. They are showing that they are for real. They are in contention to win the SEC East, and I think people have taken them pretty seriously after they beat Alabama on Saturday. Yeah, they've, they've now... They look like the best team in the SEC to me. They look better than than Georgia. I I think that I think that Alabama honestly showed that they are really really good and are a legitimate playoff team. But I think both of those teams are better than Georgia right now. I really do. I just I don't believe in that Georgia offense that like at random moments in games they just sputter and they and i i want to see them against the the more difficult games on their schedule they still have kentucky they still have mississippi state they still have tennessee coming up heck they still got florida i mean i want to see that offense go against some teams that can give them trouble can score some points and maybe put a little pressure on the offense to get to get a win and i'm not sure if if that offense goes cold like we've seen it in the past, they may not they may not play that well and they may not they may drop a game that they shouldn't drop. I think you can definitely say that Tennessee is playing the best football in the SEC right now. Defense still gives me some worries, right? The offense is going to be able to outscore just about anybody, but if they go up against a good stout defense that will play them better now that there's some some film on how not to play them right Tennessee's legit I mean there's just no doubt about it I don't really think there was any big losers around the SEC from over the weekend uh, you could say Mississippi State because now they pretty much have to win out and if they want to compete for the SEC they got to win out and hope for some losses somewhere else for some other people so well, if if they went out they need all they, all they would need is a loss out of LSU I believe believe that that is correct but look at this right now georgia's next four games they're on a bye this week then they get florida tennessee at state at kentucky on a row we're gonna find out a lot about this georgia team that to this point the toughest sec game they have played is Missouri the different? The <laughs> toughest fight is Missouri. Yeah, they beat South Carolina forty-eight to seven. They beat Missouri twenty-six twenty-two. They beat Auburn forty-two to ten, and Vanderbilt fifty-five nothing. They've had a cakewalk in the conference to this point, and they're about to hit a four-game stretch where, if they aren't sharp, they are capable of losing any one of those games on that schedule especially right now and I think that's what we've learned coming into week eight of the SEC season week eight of college football is Alabama looks beatable they are beatable Georgia looks beatable they haven't played anybody that's willing or worth to do so but they are beatable 
But I think Tennessee's beatable too. I think those are your top three teams in the SEC. Tennessee is beatable. I still believe, I still think they're good. I think Tennessee's ceiling is higher than Alabama and Georgia's this year because of the way that their personnel fits their scheme and how well coached they are and how the development that Josh Heupel has gone through with Hendon Hooker is so impressive. Hendon Hooker was a solid quarterback at Virginia Tech when he transferred to to Tennessee. Heck, he wasn't Josh Heupel's first choice to start at Tennessee. He started Joe Milton. And then finally he went to Hendon Hooker. I mean, he was really he was really Josh Heupel's third choice at quarterback. And then they have built a chemistry and built an offense around Hendon Hooker who throws the best deep ball in the country. He's a perfect fit for what Josh Heupel wants to do and it shows. And you know what's crazy about this Tennessee win against Alabama? And you know what's crazy about this Tennessee program right now? Tennessee is one of the best teams in college football right now. They're coming off the biggest win maybe in program history in the regular season against Alabama on Saturday in Knoxville. They did it with a transfer quarterback in Hendon Hooker. Again, a transfer quarterback in year two under Josh Heupel. Mm Mm-hmm. This shows it can be done. Yeah. If they can do it at Tennessee, you can do it at Auburn. We're going to talk about that some more tomorrow. That's all we got, though, on the Monday edition of On the Line. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.